Welcome to North the South, podcast about but not about design, and this is episode 80. Good evening, John. Hello. <laughs> uh, how's your day then? Yeah, very productive Ooh. and eventful. Sounds exciting. It feels late now. It was an early start, and I've also I've had the plumber in. It's not a euphemism, is it? No. Right. Yeah, I've done school runs. I've been to a builder's yard, which is quite a good place. I quite like a builder's yard. Yeah. Did you see anything? Thought, oh, quite like one of those. Oh, loads of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ten- it's, apparently it's the tenth biggest one in the country. Jeez. It was surprisingly large in Petersfield. Ooh. What were you so, picking yeah, up? Uh, paving slabs. Interestingly, Carrera marble. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Council Grey. Lovely. Best thought. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, no, it has been. It's uh, not not massively productive on the work front. Uh, got bits and bobs through. Um, meant to be working on a new website this week, but uh, the client hasn't written the copy yet. Right. This isn't as, as mega <laughs> as the, the last website, is it? No, that's um, that's pretty much finished. I've got a, um, a few bits and bobs to do for it, but it's running. So Cool. Must be a relief. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I can't wait to, now to uh, to down tools and go on holiday. Yeah, uh, clients all happy with that one. Yeah, they haven't spoken to me directly. Um, they've been busy launching a book at their AMY uh, festival. Oh, okay, but yeah, apparently they passed on their thanks. Excellent. Down the line. <laughs> Other than that, what have you been up to today? Uh, final tweaks on the coffee packaging. Um, I made my umpteenth mock-up of the pack to make sure everything was right. Um, I'm working on the book illustration project that I've got on at the minute, which is coming along nicely. So I've got three quarters of the roofs done for the first section of the brief that I've got. So just waiting on feedback on a bunch of that. Some's been approved already. Um, waiting to hear on the rest, and then I'll hopefully I'll be able to ink do the final links on some of that over the weekend. A couple of new books uh, lying around on my desk. I got to, there's um very uh, busy on social media, the Etherington brothers and they're artists. And I think they've done concept art and comics. And I think they, one of them, I think one of them writes and one of them is the, the artist but they're kind of best known on social media for all the tutorials they do. And they did a Kickstarter called How to Think When You Draw. And it's a 200-page book collecting lots of their tutorials. Uh, and it's great stuff. So it kind of goes through lots of kind of simple ways to draw complicated things. Um, so that's good. Looks uh, looks very interesting. Really nice style they've got. Uh, and the other book that I've been looking at is Worlds, uh, which is the art book of Raphael Lacoste, who's the art director of Assassin's Creed video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he does kind of concept art for video games and, you know, works on his own stuff as well. So it's this beautiful book of kind of fantasy and science fiction landscapes. And it's, you know, breathtakingly gorgeous so that's been very inspirational um and then what else have I been doing this this week i've been listening i've got addicted to a new podcast 
So I've been listening to the Revisionist History podcast by Malcolm Gladwell, um, who I kind of didn't know that well. You know, I'd kind of seen the odd article by him or pop up on a TV show, but he 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 does a very good podcast. So it's, he kind of peers into events from history that have been perhaps misinterpreted or uh, stuff that kind of should have gained a place in history, little small events or things that, you know, perhaps had more of an impact than you first think. And he kind of strays off into all sorts of chat about all sorts of things. One of his, the last ones I read was all about Akabilk and how... Uh, raconteur is just another word for liar and it's this brilliant the the whole episode is kind of a built around this anecdote of Akabilks about uh, just after the war he got invited by some soldiers in Germany to go and raid a, a house where some Nazis had hidden out um, and how in the retelling by all the different people who were involved it's a completely different story Um but really fascinating, enjoyable podcast. So, is it just him on his own? Yeah, I mean, he interviews lots of people, right? But yeah, it's his podcast. Sounds uh, fascinating. It's fab. There's mm. three, two and a half series of it to listen to, so plenty to get your teeth into or your earlobes or something. Huh. Yes. <laughs> so that's pretty much been my week. I did a couple of days in Shoreditch. Um, yeah, so it's nice to get back to my desk and do some drawing. I discovered a new coffee shop in Shoreditch uh, that I'd walked past uh, a few times last week and thought, I must pop in there. And I went in, it was very nice, and I asked them, how long have you been open? Three years. <laughs> it's in the street next to the office. Um, but it's all, the, the exterior is painted the same colour as everything else, so you, it just doesn't look like a coffee shop. So I only noticed it because there was someone sat outside drinking coffee. Vanta black. <laughs> no, kind of uh, French grey. Well. <clears throat> yes. So last last time we uh, had a, 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 a we recorded we recorded with Ben the illustrator. We did indeed the lovely Ben, which was a very very in- enjoyable episode. Mm. And that was what three weeks ago. Yeah. So we're so we were, we're trying to get. Um, some new guests lined up and uh, it's just difficult at the moment because Rob and I are um, uh, busy and so are other people. So trying to line them up is quite tricky, but uh, yeah, if you, if you got any ideas or you'd like to come on the show, then drop us a line and tell us why. Absolutely. We'd love to have you. I mean, you know, um, not, not all of them. No, not everybody no. all at once. No. <clears throat> for yeah, an orderly queue if, yeah if there's someone you think we should uh, talk to you think would be uh, interesting and fascinating and entertaining then uh, give us a shout and let us know mm. I got a lovely uh, print in the post mm-hmm. um, the other day uh, from um, Volume who are a new publisher and they're publishing Anthony Burrell's Look and See Oh yeah, uh, as a kind of Kickstarter-y type self-funded thing. Yeah, uh, was it? I think it was Thames and Hudson, wasn't it? Is it an offshoot of them? 
Yes. And it's uh, D- Darren Wall, the designer. Right. From um, the uh, ROM uh, series of books. They did the uh, Speedball one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've also got. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so I've got a print, uh, a signed print from Anthony Burrell. Came How in the delightful. Post, so is this uh, kind of like a... the funding. Yeah. Nice. I've forgotten all about it. It's really nice. It's just on a sort of... Uh, uh, like craft, a white-backed craft board. Yep. Um, and uh, it's letter-pressed, or, yeah, letter-pressed, I think, uh, in yellow and black onto craft. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the only thing I'd say is if you have got one of these, then um, be careful about the envelope that it arrives in because it was a it was a, a really cheap, um, like, C5, you know, one of those mm-hmm. office envelopes that you get kind of um, newsagent... Uh, yeah, circulars and etc. that I normally just tear in half and chuck away. <laughs> I was just about to do it and I thought, oh, there's something a bit thicker in here and there's no other thing in it. That's it. So just be careful wow. <laughs> what you throw away. Yeah. But it's, a, it's a very nice thing. I'm going to get that framed. Yeah, I've got... A, yeah, I'm looking forward to the book coming. Yeah, I've got an Anthony Burrell print um, that I need to get framed. And I also need to find somewhere to put it, hang it when it is framed. But yeah, mm. big fan. That's nice. It's nice when you get a little treat, isn't it, in the post? You'd forgotten Definitely. about the Etherington, the Etherington Brothers book that I got uh, was a bit of a treat because that was a Kickstarter that I'd forgotten about. Yeah, the other things that are on my desk. Um, well, I've got a, a couple of new comics. I took Ben's recommendation of Paper Girls. Mm-hmm. So I've read the first one of those and uh, really enjoyed it. It's kind of uh, Stranger Things style story. Cool. Um I won't say any more, but it's kind of a time-shifting, um, ki- you know, young kids mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> vibe going on, a bit sci-fi. Um, and I've got the new um, Dark Horse Hellboy edition, um, which is, uh, they, they're republishing them, but in chronological o- order. Okay, so when he originally wrote the stories, he kind of chopped and changed and sometimes revisited Hellboy's past, didn't he? So this is all published in the order that it happened rather than the order it was written. Yeah. Do you, do you think that's a bad idea? Well, I'm a bit, um, I don't really know how to say it. Uh, the Hellboy comics are becoming a real industry, aren't they now? They're churning out, you know, there's all the library editions, um, now there's these chronological ones. There's kind of artist editions. Um, it's kind of never ending, and it it kind of feels like, well, I don't know. Mike Mignola isn't drawing and writing everything that's coming out, um, but it feels like it's become a bit of an industry rather than, you know, uh, a work of passion. Hmm. So yeah, I don't know about the chronological thing. I mean, it probably works perfectly fine. It, it's maybe a bit unnecessary. Um, yeah, because I've di- I've dipped in and out of them, but I, not in any particular order because it's there is like you say, there's so much of it. Mm. It's impossible to know what was made when. Yeah, and um, but it means that because I'm now reading them chronologically, I've, I've actually read a few of them already. Yes. So it's a bit, a bit annoying when you spent 15 quid on a comic book and half of it you've already read. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I thought that it, that it had been written chronologically, but I 
I, I, it dawned on me as I was reading it that that wasn't the case. Yeah, I, I'm kind of even more so now because Hellboy is a standalone comic and character ended with Hellboy in Hell, but now Hellboy is still being written and drawn about in the BPRD comics. Mm. So he's, you know, but they're all set previously to, to most of the Hellboy stuff. It's a bit confusing. Certainly if you were yeah. new to it, you'd find it confusing, I think. So the other thing I've been listening to on repeat is um, Half Man, Half Biscuit, new album. Uh, very rare that we get an album from them. I don't think I've ever heard a single song by Half Man, Half Biscuit. Ah. Uh, it's actually quite... Um, there's, <laughs> there's a song on it called... Oh, which song it is? Hang on. Uh, Every time a bell rings, the line in it is to, is 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 the name of the album, and it's uh, no one cares about your creative hub, so get your f- hedge cut. <laughs> <laughs> which really made me laugh because yeah. I sit in here doing creative stuff, and the front hedge is just a total mess. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, they, 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 he has a lovely turn of phrase. So if you like a bit of a uh, homemade punk anthem style music then give it a listen. It's very sharp, very funny still after all these years. Yeah. Other than that, I haven't really been, I've just been kind of recovering from this big web project and then, uh, just I'm at home alone. So yes. Yeah. I'm five years old, my business since I went solo. Congratulations. This week. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Um, First of June. Yeah. I won survived. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's time to kind of, evaluate what I'm doing at the moment. I'm just, you know, dealing day to day as most, I imagine 90% of most people in, in our business and other businesses do, you know, without any kind of thought of the future or development or anything like that. Um, but I think after the last year, you know, we've done really well financially, but I'm just burnt out Mm. from just trying to run a creative agency as a one man band and doing everything is, it's possible, but it is exhausting and not very satisfying. What are your thoughts? Do you lose some of the clients that the work isn't yeah. that satisfying, or do you just keep the you know couple of best paying clients? <laughs> if the problem is that the best paying clients are the biggest pain in the arse. <laughs> so uh, no, I think I need to reduce that kind of work down to. Uh, a limited time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this is going to work, but maybe just that people buy me. How I had originally <clears throat> had the concept was people block bought time. So, and so if they want me on a, you know, one day a week, mm-hmm. then they can have me one day a week. If they don't use me, they don't, it doesn't matter. They still yeah. pay me. Uh, and then leave some time for my other, other bits and bobs, whether that's insane or not. I don't know, but I, I can't do another round of exhibitions like I've just done. Uh, it was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it really does need an agency to, to run that. And yeah, I can compete, you know, I can undercut an agency by, yeah, you know, by loads. I just, I can't keep up with the, with the demands, especially now with so many people in, I don't know, this is going to sound really derogatory, but uh, people in marketing who have no ability to make decisions for themselves <laughs> so everything they do is like this incremental tiny uh, they don't learn anything so you know every time they want a logo or whatever they don't understand formats or sizes and i know that's a that's a world 
wide problem. It is, but a, you'd have thought after three or four years in the job, you you might have picked up some kind of a strange sense of knowledge. Certainly, I think when I started out, when I was working for an agency in Farnham, you know, their clients always seemed to have people working there who knew what we needed. Yeah. Um, but that does seem to have gone out of the window. I mean, when I'm freelancing in Shoreditch, we work with a, a couple of, you know, huge international companies and their marketing departments it can be utterly useless. You know, as bad as as anyone you could imagine working for in terms of, you know, not knowing what to ask for or how to work with designers or, you know, kind of any of the fundamentals of the business. It's, uh, it's yeah. bizarre. I think it's it also I've seen over the last five years as well. And I, I saw this a lot, you know, in, in, when I worked for an agent in, in an agency, it, it happened a lot, but it, it definitely seems to be more more these days. It's I sound like the, uh, an old grumpy old Yorkshireman, don't I? But that's you. Um, <laughs> What is what is termed as a brief is actually a sort of a prescripted strategy or or campaign that they that they want. Yeah. Um, whereas in the old days, you went to an you went to an agency or to a designer or whatever to to get to get that idea. Um, but they're coming to you with it, and I'm challenging ideas. But it's you know in the heat of the moment when they're trying to do five different things at, at once, there's no kind of ability for. For, to appreciate and to discuss and to sort of develop ideas, the yeah. ideas come fully formed, and absolutely all my, all my experience just gets ignored, and that's what I, I found this year to be really, really frustrating. That I can just see tons and tons of money being wasted in some of the companies, and just loads and loads of time wasted. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of uh, marketing people armed with Photoshop or InDesign, and they're starting to try and do their own things, and then trying to hand them off to to you to sort of to mend or whatever yeah. um, or, or concepts pre-done and sent over, which a lot of designers would, would just balk at. But I, I guess mo- the majority of people just have to get on with it, don't they? You, you know, you've got, you've got your work coming in, you've got to do it. Absolutely. But it's just tiresome and yeah. it's not creatively nourishing, um, which is kind of why I'm in this industry anyway. Um, you know, making money is all very well but i could go and make money a lot more money in doing something else mm. yeah but you don't want to go back on the streets john no <laughs> not <laughs> i've lost my looks these days <laughs> no I, I so so i really need to uh i'm I, i'm at a crossroads and, and it, it's a good place to be um, oh, it but, is it's good to be uh, at a crossroads when if you've come off a financially a good year you know it's, yeah it'd be much tougher making decisions if um, you know, if you were struggling to, to bring the work in. You know, I, I could say, right, okay, I give myself 12 months doing X and, uh, you know, completely changing the way I see the business. Mm. And then if it doesn't work out, my wife's working, you know, we should, we should be okay. But it is really difficult, isn't it, as a freelancer to, to break that habit. To, um and, and for a creative, is it is it creative? I don't know, a creative industry thing? I don't know, but... Um, definitely to break the cycle and to jump off. Saying no to work is always impossible. You know, anyone you ever talk to in this industry, saying no to work is uh, is nigh and impossible. So, um, so yeah, I think you need kind of a fundamental new approach to your business so that you can, instead of just saying no to work, you're kind of refusing work on the grounds that it's not what you do rather than yeah, just not what you yeah. want to do. 
Yeah, that's really that's a really that's really good advice. Is that my next client? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got some, uh, some marketing ads need setting. Uh, have you got a drink tonight, by the way, John? A cup of tea. Cup oh, of tea. oh, great! Yeah, I was going to go for a cup of coffee. Instead, I succumbed to the the uh, Hawaiian charms of a longboard beer again. Ah, oh, yeah. Well, Kitty bought me um, one because I'd never had that there. Beers. Yes. Um, really, yeah, really nice. Just, nice, uh, refreshing lager. Yeah, really, really nice. But kind of just enough flavour, you know, not like some of these American traditional, you know, bud or cores that taste of absolutely nothing. Yeah, no, um, no, they're good. Yeah, just a really good beer to drink when it's nice and warm. Yeah, like a Brooklyn or um, I, I really like the Goose Island as well in America. Yeah. IPA one. Um, but no, I'm, I'm not drinking. I, I haven't had a drink all week, which... Be, seeing as I'm on my own with a small child is 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 a miracle in itself. <laughs> I'd have thought you'd both been on the Calpol by now. <laughs> <laughs> uh. No, I feel I feel I feel good though. Not ha- not having a beer at night is good. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so that's 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 where I'm. I was sorry to go to go off topic. A no, bit, but um, yeah, definitely definitely need to um, make a change. And it's just as well that I'm uh, in two weeks' time. I'm going away on holiday, so I can really sort of put a line through it yeah and stop and then come back and actually try and do try and do what i mean to do but what, what was that you said before is 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 to say like that's not the kind of thing i do isn't it and not be an not be a, a an all-rounder yeah exactly so you you're you kind of reset what your business does so it's easier for you to turn the work down on the grounds that it's not what you do rather than you're turning it down because it's going to be boring or because it's not what you really want to do or because it's going to be tedious, but it's just simply not what you do. But if I've got imposter syndrome for everything that I do, and then I narrow it down to really, really tiny little niches, that, that imposter syndrome is, is, is concentrating. It's not cutting out. Unless you find a niche that no bugger else is in. (laughs) (laughs) I think I found that years ago. Yeah. I can't remember which, which really well-known, concept artist I was talking to on Twitter this week or last week and we were talking about imposter syndrome and you know they get it just as much as anyone else and they're right at the absolute pinnacle of their game mm. so um, it's just something we all have to come to terms with oh I've been I watched um, I bought the digital collection of Star Wars for uh, to watch with my daughter yes. we've watched the first we're in the third one now um, and uh, watched Empire Strikes Back, which is you know everyone's favourite, uh, allegedly, and it's thoroughly enjoyable. It, you know, really enjoyed. It. I hadn't seen it for you know, I, I probably haven't watched it for twenty years. Mm-hmm. It really is that long ago, and yeah, I loved it. Uh, completely lost. Oh yeah, no. So I watched some of the making of films that come with it, all the digital extras. Yeah, and the best bit about it was seeing the, the glass matte paintings. It's incredible, isn't uh, it? There's, uh, I couldn't believe it. I've never. I didn't. One, I didn't know they were so small. Yeah. Um, and two, how beautiful and how much screen they took up yeah. of the original film. Yeah. It's. I love They're it. Incredible. I've never seen that before. Yeah. I can't remember. Someone quite well known did the. I think it's in the Cloud City bit where Ralph you McCurry, can't, was it? it? Might have been Ralph McQuarrie did it. And it's that kind of you know the the shaft that disappears into nothing. Ah, oh, yeah, and, no, that is, I think that is him. That's just a, a staggering piece of work, you know. It really is. I've seen that. But in the, I think in the the sequel, prequel things, 
they they did some matte painting. I think it's in the first or the second one. And it's as if the art has been lost because the matte paintings in the prequels are terrible. And the prequels are, are absolutely chock full of awful CGI and very little else. But in some places there's there's matte paintings and they're really not good. That's bizarre, really. But I do love the originals. But I like Star Wars the best. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I, yeah. It's been great watching and 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 hearing my three year old shout yeah when the uh, attack got taken down yeah. it was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and she's totally in love with Yoda, so I bought her um, a Lego Yoda his house, oh, which has just come out and uh, yeah. been, re- been reissued. Cool. I'm sure it's been been a set before. Yeah. So yeah, no, I've thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, the other thing I've been watching is I I bit the bullet and bought Westworld TV series right. with Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am loving it. Yeah, uh, I love the original film. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think this. Uh, I, I've heard lots of mixed reviews of the of the series, but I, it just appeals to me so so much, and it's it's so deep. Halfway through, I kind of had the fear of oh god, this is going to turn into a lost. Yes, but actually, no, it it does move on quite quickly. So um, really, really recommend it. And there's a there's a little scene in there. I'm not giving anything away here, but there's a sort of, you know, a basement that's seldom used. And the camera pans and just in the background, the darkness, you just see this wide black brimmed hat <laughs> and a figure in it. <laughs> You're like, yeah, Mr. Bruner. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, t- uh, is it Thandie Newton? Yes, Thandie Newton. She, she, she is astonishing. Mm. Yeah. What Absolutely else? brilliant actress. Uh, it's a bit of news. First bit of news. Some, I don't know who it was on Twitter tweeted this at me. It's a, an interview by uh, with Roger Dean. So if you don't know Roger Dean, if you don't know the name, you'd know Roger Dean's work. He's kind of seminal, influential sci-fi and fantasy artist. Did huge amounts of uh, record covers in the 60s and 70s. Loads of fantasy posters that you've that you would have seen um, concept art, um, and it's an interview, and it's not really talking about his work specifically, but it's talking about his vision of the future. And he's a really optimistic guy, and he's kind of he's working at the minute on a film about kind of a vision of the future, and he's he's kind of vehemently sort of anti dystopian view and. You know, it says the world can be an amazing place if only we choose to make it. Um, there's a really good little interview. Um, and then from there, obviously, you can click on the other links in uh, in YouTube and see more interviews of him talking about his work. But he's one of the, uh, I think him and Rodney Matthews. Rodney Matthews is a bit of a disciple of Roger Dean's. I think he was came a few years later, but doing similar work. Uh, they were... Definitely the two artists that I kind of first saw and were wowed by. Uh, so if you like Roger Dean, that's well worth having a little peer at on YouTube. Roger Dean on the future, it's called. If we're going to go back to the 70s, then the release of the Atari new VCS console has left me rather perplexed and uh, confused by re- by what retro is and is re- is retro um digging up old stuff and just reissuing it as it was before or is it putting a shine on old games and you know re- reworking them i think this because, is a classic case of this thing did not know what it wanted to be yeah i i 
I think it's I think it's a beautiful looking object. The fact that it's probably less powerful than something like an Apple TV or even a, your phone um, is is worrying. And the fact that they're sort of they're dredging up all the old games and um, you know asteroids, brilliant. But is it something that you want to spend? Three hundred dollars on in two thousand and eighteen. It's brilliant. Those retro games are brilliant, but they are brilliant for about two minutes. Yeah. You get so bored of them so quickly. It's a weird one, the Atari thing, because when it was launched, about like two or three years ago, wasn't it? When it was first announced, yeah, it was simply going to be a device to play the old vintage games on. But now it's it's uh, it's a Linux machine, isn't it? It's going to be a play. Stuff from Steam or Valve. Um, it's going to be a 4K kind of media player. So it's as if it's almost as if they they couldn't justify what they were doing for for what this the capabilities of the machine were. So they've had to pump it up. But but now if you're buying it to play vintage games on, then yeah, two or three hundred quid is uh, silly money. I mean, I remember mm. buying you know the old. Um, the controller that comes with it, that silly little joystick. Yeah. I remember buying one of those um, about 15 or 20 years ago um, that you could just plug into the back of your telly and it had all the games. Yes, I remember that. It was in one of those innovation yeah. catalogs yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And that was probably like I, 25 I, quid. I mean, it's already raised $2.7 million dollars on Indiegogo, yeah. if you want to go and have a look at it. Uh, I, I can't deny that it is a beautiful-looking object. I just I don't see its place in the market if it doesn't have killer games that people will want to play for a very, very long time. Yeah, I think... Um, I th- it's got these kind of vague promises of what, of what it's going to be, but I, I, I can't see it making any headway in the market. No, absolutely not. I'm afraid. I mean, Steam, the, the kind of streaming online platform they produced a, a console didn't they um yep. two or three years ago and that died a death so i don't see anyone buying this once this indiegogo is is finished if they manage to produce it and and ship it to the backers of which there are ten thousand of them so they've got to knock out a few um i can't see anyone else ever buying it but yeah you know maybe that's all you need a one-off thing sure it's going to make someone some money yeah i'm just being cynical now aren't i i think well i think it's it's easy to be cynical because it's just dredging up the past it is literally it says own a piece of history Mm. what for what's what is the point yeah just get an old one (laughs) or have a nice picture of it on the wall it's not going to be useful yeah well that's dredging up the history john come with me into the future oh nunk (laughs) <laughs> what is this nunc life nunc apparently is latin for now so yeah. uh so this is a new product uh that you can buy it's 160 dollars, and it's a watch john kind of a classic looking watch with a metal strap and a a, met- a round metal bezel very simple right except instead of a watch face and a watch movement it's got a solid chunk of italian marble because you don't need to tell the time. You just live for the perfection of each and every moment. Every nunk, wow. every nunk is unique and marks the beginning of a deep journey to rediscover the meaning of time. 
and is, life. Is, it, is this a piss take? Nope. Oh, right. It is not. Wow. Uh, yes, so that's Nunk, John. A watch. Have you ordered one? Without a watch, I've ordered six. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, it, is, it looks like a parody. You know, it's yeah. one of those websites that's got three square images as you scroll. One says Journey of Self-Discovery. Craft yeah. by Italian artisans. Philosophy grown with the seed of life. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is hideous. Wow. Um, it should be called Numped, shouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Numped. Yeah. Be a Numped. I don't know. I mean, you could have marketed it as a bracelet that looks a bit like a watch. But, uh, but it just no. looks ridiculous. Yeah. It looks like the the watch has fallen out of it, or, or it looks like a broken smartwatch. Mm. Oh Particularly the black one, because it's just got a solid black face. It just looks like a smartwatch that isn't on. Mm. Wisdom. Uh, yeah, it's it's a joy that website to have a look at. Yeah, it's oh, it's lovely. Yeah, so if Go you there, yeah. fancy a gig, nunclife dot com. One of the only conferences I've ever been to um, was called New Adventures, and it was in Nottingham in, I don't know, 2010 or something like that, Mm -hmm. a while ago. Uh, And um, it was organised by a chap called, um, yeah, sorry, Simon Collison. He is a designer, part of Fictive Kin. Have you heard of them? Yes, Like a design community. Uh, Friends of uh, Brendan Dawes, and that's where I saw Brendan Dawes give, give a talk. Yeah. Uh, and it was kind of a, it was a web, it was a web conference, but it was about design, about the, the sort of the, the art of design rather than uh, technical, mm-hmm. you know, capability or whatever. So it had some really, really cool, interesting draw, uh, talks in it. Um, and it was a single stream, single track event. So you didn't have to choose anything. It was really nicely done. They're putting on, well, it just says 2019 on their Twitter Ooh. feed. So, um, I definitely recommend that if you haven't been to it. Uh, I haven't. Um, yeah, looks interesting. I mean, there's, I think there's, it could be, it could be interesting. There's not an awful lot of info about, uh, the next conference. No, but yet, it was great. It? You know, the, the, I think the first one, um, we get like, there was an on-site newspaper. So you were given a oh, that's nice. proper like printed those. newspaper for it. It was just really well, really, really well done. Yeah. Um, apparently there was a, you know, there was lots of parties and music on afterwards, but, um, I jumped on the train home, but it tried to highlight the Midlands and that sort of creative band across the country rather than just London or. Yeah. So it was easy, easily accessible for lots of people. Cool. They're they're back. And then the other one who's back, who's uh, written an article in A List Apart is um, Jeffrey Zeldman. And he was sort of a pioneer of, um, of, Early sort of CSS, um, yeah, non non table based design. Has he been away? Web. He hasn't been away. He just hasn't been very prolific. I think he, you know, he's now he's not a designer anymore. He's more of a sort of figurehead. Mm. Um, but he he wrote a really interesting article. Um, or maybe I just haven't had him in my in my target because I haven't really been um, following much media at all over the last few years. But um, it's a really it's a really good. Uh, it's a really good article. It sort of talks about ask. It's sort of it's asking for the sim, the simplicity of design to come back to web, um, rather than you know all these um, 
frameworks that people use yeah. so that all websites look the same, et cetera, et cetera. And it says, you know, that web making has, be- has lately become something of a dick measuring competition uh, about, you know, how many frameworks or what kind of uh, kind of tools you've built it with rather than the actual simplicity mm. of, of building something that is uh, beautiful and, uh, and useful. Uh, which I think is the sort of the heart of design really, isn't it? And it's, it's, it's sometimes easy to forget that. Um, but um, the, you know, I think with this new CSS grid, uh, I think that, that we really are going to see a blossoming of, of web design again. I think people are going to be uh, these, these frameworks people will move away from because they'll be able to, you can build your own frameworks or your own grid systems really, really easily. Um, and so I think that the time, spent faffing around with these you know box boxy style websites will will go away i think one week we should do this show and you should do it all in latin and i'll see if i can understand more of that than when you talk about web stuff yeah but i don't make sense half the time anyway so <laughs> did that not make any sense oh yeah it did, it did. i'm being facetious but <laughs> i, I have su- such a little grasp of web stuff it's ridiculous you know that whole thing about you don't know the things you don't know well i don't know the things i don't know that i don't know you know it's blind blind leading the blind me <laughs> but you know what i mean you get the, I do. I do you get the website with the carousel and the three yeah, yeah. blocks much like that watch thing yes or, you exactly. know everything looks like squarespace now doesn't it mm. um but i th- i do think we are going to see more of a graphic designed web good uh, or more experimental which is exciting yeah that's not a bad thing at all no well from the web to the gothic uh the western tower is uh, is a new addition to westminster abbey so westminster abbey built in the 12th or 13th centuries uh has got a new tower uh kind of crammed into a little corner of it and it's um it provide this this tower called the Western Tower provides access to the trif- triforium. Mm-hmm. Is, that a, is that a word you're you're aware of? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it leads you up into basically a, a, a space seven stories up above the nave, uh, where the uh, they've redesigned everything, and it's now the Queen's Diamond Jubilee Galleries, uh, stuffed with all the religious treasures from across the Abbey's history. So, but this, uh, this kind of entrance to it through this tower is this beautiful kind of really unusual looking, uh, bit of architecture designed by the incredibly named Ptolemy Dean. Um, and it's a real mix of, it's kind of wood and steel and stone and it's kind of got leaded glass and kind of real intricate metalwork. So it's a, it's a, I don't know what, how you describe it in architectural terms, but it's a, it's a fab looking thing. Um, and I always, I always love that when, when you have kind of bits of new architecture, which are, associated with something very historic. I love seeing that contrast of of design and materials and everything. So um, it looks fab. And the way they've designed the galleries uh, in the Triforium, 
just looks incredible. So they've got these big uh, stone plinths that appear to kind of float above the floor and then seamless glass covers. So they're kind of really monolithic, beautifully lit. It just looks fab. So I haven't been to Westminster Abbey since I first moved to London 20 years ago. So I might have to uh, might have to go and have a look at that. Because it looks grand. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Mm. He's really gone to town, hasn't he? Yes. So there's loads of things. He's, he samples all the different stone, types of stone that he used in the abbey. He uses them in different levels in the, in the tower and stuff. Which is, uh, yeah, just looks great. Cool. Ah, my pie approacheth. Oh, is it a hot one? It is a hot one. And the pie? <laughs> and the pie. Thank you, dear. <laughs> oh, I got a curtsy. Oh. Uh, yes. So the Western Tower, Westminster Abbey. Go over Gander. Mm. Any more news from from you, John? I was watching Chelsea Flower show yes. on BBC, and uh, I always like watching the gardens because there's some brilliant design in there. Um, and one one of the article that really caught my attention was um, the Lemon Tea, Lemon Tree Trust Garden, mm. which is a kind of an homage with an H to um, by Tom Massey, designer. Uh, I think it's his first go at uh, Chelsea for the RHS. Um, and it's, um, yeah, it's sort of yeah an homage to um, refugee camps. Um, from the Syrian, um, we call it civil war. Uh, and um, he went to one of the camps uh, in Domiz in Iraq and was inspired to uh, create this garden. And I think it's, it, it's one, it was a beautiful garden uh, made, of, made of all sorts of, you know, like ephemera that you'd find like concrete uh, breeze blocks and uh, set sort of half set into walls to make into mm-hmm. um, plant containers and ways to save water and ways to grow in, in the most uh, horrible circumstances. But what was uh, really telling was the kind of the human stories and, and, and his sort of, I haven't really thought about it and this is me just being an, an absolute idiot, but you know, the refugee camps are filled with ordinary people. They're not, uh, you know, they're not vagrants or they're not, you know, home, they're homeless for a reason. That's, but they, you know, they, they're full of middle class. Yeah, that's exactly what I said uh, from the interview that I saw with him. Oh, right. About, you know, there, really, are, there are architects and there are landscape gardeners and there are builders yeah. and engineers and everything. Yeah, they, um, they, I think they're, I think the, the situation they find themselves in kind of dehumanizes them to such an extent that you just think they're, they're products of like a third world country. Yeah, I'm. T- I, but I'm totally guilty of that. Yeah, uh, I think we all are. Felt very, very bad about it. But, um, but this was this was a positive aspect on on it. And I, I don't feel better for them because I've suddenly <laughs> discovered you know the middle classes or like the, the bourgeoisie. But um, what I mean is that it's just the plethora of abilities that you get mm. in these refugee camps is a is a positive has to be seen in a positive light Absolutely. rather than a negative um you know that they're useless and that they're, they're not they're they're just trying to live their life out of they're trying to survive aren't they first yeah and yeah so um but uh, i thought it was the most poignant kind of thing you know normally it's just monty don witching on about yeah it was wonderful that uh, a little bit of news, sad news. We haven't podcasted for a while. Uh, and in that time, Bill Gold has died. And <clears throat> Bill Gold was um, 
an absolutely legendary uh, designer of film posters. Um, and the boys from Brazil, East of Eden, Escape from Alcatraz, The Exorcist, lots of Bond stuff, um, and right through to kind of the present day, Independence Day and stuff. Um, absolute legend of, of film poster design. Um, uh, there's a, a website called Posterati, I think it's called. Posteritati. It's a very awkward name to say. Uh, which sells um, film posters. So you can, you can search for Bill Gold in there and you just get a wealth of stunning, beautiful film posters. Um, so he'll be, he'll be missed. He's done some absolute classics. The Sting with uh, Paul Newman and Robert Redford. The Unforgiven on Golden Pond. My Fair Lady, which looks like a Bob Peake illustration on that, which is just fantastic. Um, yeah, fantastic stuff. So very sad that Bob Go- uh, Bill Gold has, uh, has passed away. Mm. A lifetime of uh, <clears throat> great experience. Mm. Um, and somebody was asking uh, how long it takes to learn design on Twitter. Um, a chap called Dan Petty, a provocative post, I right. think, but obviously has a large following because uh, he had um, quite a few answers and uh, replies. Um, how how much time does it take to learn to land a job? How, that, that was the question. Sorry, was how much time does it take to learn design enough to land a job? Depends how long you can <laughs> how long you can give to learning it, doesn't it? I mean, you could probably learn enough in three months if you could do, you know. 12, 16 hour days, just like mm. most things. You need a, I think they, enough to know what you need to know and then you just blag the rest. <laughs> yeah, well, blagging is a big one, isn't it? Um, so somebody says, you know, it goes from 25 years uh, to um, six months down to two months. Um, I don't think that's relevant at all, is it? It's not really about the time that it takes you to learn it because like you say, you could, um, you know, the great chef Alistair Little was working as a waiter, a waiter and the chef walked out and the next thing he knew he was grilling, you know, uh, burning things as he said yeah. uh, to a crisp in this restaurant, in this grill. And, uh, he became one of the most, um, you know, uh, fated London chefs yeah. ever. Um, and, uh, I think a lot of, uh, designers that we've spoken to, fell into it um you know dan gray was saying that um you know how he how he fell into it where somebody left in the office and somebody put up their hand and said does anybody know how to use photoshop (laughs) and you kind of fall in that way don't you absolutely Um, i was painting posts in the yard uh just to earn some money and uh uh, somebody said you know do you know do you know how to use a computer and i was like not really i'll give it a go (laughs) and i went home with the manual and that's how i got started It, it it you you know, so you could effectively say it's still it's taken me thirty years to learn learn the trade, but it's it's not it's not that simple, is it? It's not. And I think the other thing that it highlights is that there's no that you know you don't need a qualification. It's not like uh, being gas safe for a plumber. You couldn't just start being a plumber mm-hmm. or a, or an architect or a vet or a doctor or anything like that. But as a designer, you can start 
anytime you like. Can't you, really? you can. The whole uh, landscape of learning has changed as well. I mean, there's things like Skillshare and um, you know, kind of online classes in design and creative fields and web design and coding that really can give you an incredibly rich and in, intensive um, learning experience. You know, with, I think, um, you know, you go away to college these days. I mean, even, even when I was at college with uh, cuts to education, we didn't we didn't have tutors for, well, less than half the time that we were actually supposed to be in class. And the rest of it, we were just left to our own devices. I mean, you can't yeah. learn anything doing that. You can do work, but you're not learning anything, really. Um, so, the, you know, the whole the whole way you can learn these days is is so much more varied than it than it was 5 10 15 years ago. Yeah. So I'm starting my brain surgery course next week. So if we've got any volunteers just let us know on Twitter. Uh yeah, have you got any other news, Jonathan? I think that's all my news. Um, no, that's it. Uh, the, the the Hellboy Kickstarter finished. If anyone's interested, one point four million quid it raised. That's a lot, and there's a lot of good models coming. It's such good value for money now. When it when it launched, <laughs> I looked at it. it Ninety five quid for a board game. I'm thinking that's a bit steep, but now you get like a hundred and twenty different little figures. It's like wow, it's an absolute bargain. Yeah, I might have to pay somebody to paint them for me. Yes. Uh, have you got a website of the week? Um, going back to Brendan Dawes, mm-hmm. he has released a thing called Notes to Myself, which is a little package with some pencils and paper and a little um, bon mots, I'd say, uh, about how to be a creative person. That's and nice. I think if anyone's going to tell you how to be a creative person, yeah. then uh, it's Mr. Brendan Dawes. So, um, yeah, uh, it's 30 quid. Um, and uh, if you'd like to send one to me and he's listening to this, then uh, my address is on the website. <laughs> yeah, it's really nice. It's gorgeous, yeah, isn't it? Lovely little package. Uh, my website of the week is um, nasa3d.arc.nasa.gov. Doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. But who knew that NASA had a public library of 3D models to download? And there's hundreds. And they range from satellite. 3D models to the Apollo Lunar Lander to Soyuz uh, to astronauts to land 3D landscape models of the lunar landing sites. Really? I mean, it's an absolute treasure trove of stuff. It's incredible. Um, I mean, they're not the most detailed models, all of them, but some of them certainly are. Um, the Hubble Space Telescope, um, 3D models of comets, uh, it's incredible. So you can uh, you can print them off. Yeah. Well, I guess so. I mean, you download the three D things and use them how you want. Yeah. Um, but yeah, fab. So that's my website of the week. NASA's three D archive. Love it. Hmm. Good one. Now pies. You yep. can go first, John, because yours looks oh, so good. It's absolute. I, I had to buy it because I was I was uh, I was in Tesco today and um, I walked past this and I actually I, it was a double take. It looked so beautiful. <laughs> it's a it's a gala slice, right? So a gala slice, if you if you don't know what it is, is a pork pie, uh, normally oblong kind of loaf shape, yep. and in it inside it is an egg. Hmm. 
that that's a gala pie, right? Absolutely. This this is a this is a terrine with a pie round the outside, and it is a um, a pork, chicken, and chorizo gala slice. Oh. Now that it and it, it, even the photo of it looks like you know the cross section of of a Damien Hurst. It, it's it's absolutely looks that disgusting. Really, is not an attractive photograph. <laughs> it's part of Tesco's finest mm. range. Um, so I'm going to have a little nibble. I imagine all it's going to taste of is chorizo. Yep, paprika. Um. The wet layer of red pepper in there is so nasty. <laughs> it's like a raw. It's like a piece of raw spleen after a traffic accident. Well, that's delicious. <laughs> but um, the the aspic. There's quite a lot of aspic in it, yeah. and that that's really quite nice. But yeah, like you say, you put you put one thing in your mouth, and it's just chorizo all the way. Uh, the best bit is the pastry. Yeah, aspic. So that's gonna, it can redeem a lot, can't it? Yeah, I love aspic. Um, I like it in France when you get it cut up into little cubes on your on your salad. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, I'm going to give that a, uh, a four. Four. Uh, well considered four. I have got a much uh, more delicious looking pie. I've, my wife has been to Armstrong's Butchers in St Margaret's and bought me a freezer full of pies. Uh, and this is a, a chicken and mushroom, and it's super mushroomy. Yeah, and it just kind of smells of veal mushroom. Lovely, crisp pastry. That's really good. It does, like any chicken and mushroom pie, it has got a slight soupiness to it, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's really good. That gets an eight. Oh. That's a damn fine pie. Jolly good. Mmm. A nice note to end on. You got a wedding this weekend? Uh, We do. We're... Over not that far from you, I don't think. Uh, near Frensham. Oh, yeah. That's not that far from you, is it? No. Yeah. Uh, a place called Cane Manor. Cool. Uh, well, and you better get back to some drawing. Yes. Well, I'm going to eat my pie first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what about you? What are you up to this weekend? <clears throat> uh, it's my daughter's fourth birthday, so we're having family on Sunday. Jessica's coming back from her show for two days and then back again for another show. Cool. Is that cake? Not yet, but there will be. Are you making one? Mm, I made one last year, but uh, I don't know if I'm going to get time. Okay. Or whether I'll be allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> well, but yeah, have a fantastic weekend. Thank you. Big love you to Kitty. Too. Yeah, and uh, we'll be back in a, a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. All right, then. Great to talk to you, John. Cheerio. Bye. Bye. Bye.